0: Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. We're finally doing this, you guys. We've been putting it off for so long. I'm Jeff, my good friends, Richard. hello. And Michael. Howdy. We wait until the last minute. We say we're going to do it in the future. Uh, When we finally get together and do a podcast recording, we always pick a nutty topic. And this week, you may have guessed the topic is procrastination. I chose it. I chose this one.
1: Yes, you did. Why? Yeah. KFI. Uh
0: because um I'm fifty-three years old and I still think I'm going to be the hottest young thing in uh in in uh my field of endeavor of creative excellence or whatever. And somehow I've put that off for, for uh forty-five years. <laughs> um but I'm actually fascinated with um the psychology that behind uh upon which people decide to do a thing. And then they don't do it. And this idea behind what uh, what perception uh, we temporal creatures with a shelf life because we do,
1: um,
0: yeah. What when we don't when we don't carpe diem?
1: <laughs> What's the
0: opposite? <laughs>
1: carpe undiem.
0: Carpe undiem. Um, and we have this perception that um, uh, that there is going to be infinite tomorrows, and we'll we'll do that thing that uh, we really. Feel in our heart that is our, our, our work that we should do, and we put it off. So, uh, procrastination. Uh, I am going to ask Michael to get us started.
2: Okay. Well, I'm going to move one of my choices up to the top since you um, kind of highlighted something that I think is interesting. Oh. Uh, my first choice is a character named Hob Gadling from the uh, uh, comic book series The Sandman.
1: Oh, cool. Oh, sure. Yeah.
2: It's soon to be a uh, Netflix television series. So, Is it? Oh. if you're.
1: Oh, it's going to be uh, amazing. I'm really yeah, looking if, forward to that.
2: If uh, if you've never heard of The Sandman, go check it out as a comic he was book first. And then go. An
1: ECW wrestler. He used to drink a lot of right. beer and. Oh, different. Different Spider-Man, Sandman. Spider
0: Man. No Is this a Neil Gaiman right. thing?
2: Yeah. Uh, Neil Gaiman story. And so Hobgadling is a character that the Sandman, uh, who's basically this kind of infinitely long living character um, who's existed since basically the beginning of time, um, encounters in uh, the mid-15th century um, at some sort of pub where he was traveling with his sister, Death. And um, they run into this guy who's basically decided that uh, Death isn't anything that is... um, all that important and he calls it a mugs game and he's decided that he's not going to die and so um sandman and um, his sister kind of make a little wager and she kind of casts a little magic spell and biddly boo a hundred years later he um says i'll meet you or he says to the character i'll meet you here in a hundred years if you've still um kind of not given it up um you know if you still want to live, just meet me in a hundred years. And the story progresses. So he meets him like over this course of like 500 years. And it's this idea that he keeps putting off death, even though he's kind of suffered this really traumatic life of basically starving for 70 years of it, of um, kind of dealing with the uh, ins and outs of um, kind of the moral issues regarding slavery and just having a, uh, both these like horrible times and great times and kind of middling times and how he's still kind of feels this uh, no pressure to kind of give into death and keeps kind of procrastinating on dying and pushing it off. And um, I just thought, boy, Jeff, you really keyed into it right away. Uh, Just the idea of like, eh, well, I'm not going to die. So I can just do whatever I'm going to do later. It's, there's no, yeah. no big deal. I'm not going to die. Then mm-hmm. whatever. And maybe it's like a young man's game of um. I'll get to it eventually because mm-hmm. what, what do I got to do? But yeah,
0: I don't uh, know, that's I an know interesting that, theme. You know, in in um is is this uh sorry I I've I've known that's of right. Neil Gaiman for de- decades, but I've been procrastinating and actually reading his work. Is this a graphic novel? Is this uh yeah the first
2: yeah. um or the the initial iteration of Sandman has been like as a graphic, no- you know, like kind of monthly comics that were yeah. eventually collected into like trade paperbacks or graphic novels or whatever. So yeah, they've kind of come out, you know, they used to come out monthly starting around 1987 or so. And they ran for 75 issues. Yeah. Um, but uh, his stuff is all kind of deep, kind of steeped in like uh, lore and history. And he's very writerly and, um, we were joking about Shakespeare before we started um, recording and Shakespeare and mythology. Yeah. And he's just, he writes in the way that it feels like he's read every book. So you don't kind of have mm-hmm. to. Yeah, Speaking he's got a classical foundation. Yeah, he he th- just, it's, it's just also built into everything.
0: It's funny that what you, pers- pers- procrastination seems to be one's attempt to control, um, the timeline and the pace at which um, you do ac- accomplish things over this timeline. And it struck me that as a you claimed a young person's game, as a young person, I remember time was this commodity that was just overwhelming, crushing. There was so much time before you got to be an adult and to do the cool stuff that you really wanted to do. And I, as somewhat of an indoor kid who related more with adults than my peers and didn't want to do gym class and didn't want to do school. Time was just this thing that I just couldn't wait to get rid of. And my perception was that there was so much of it that I had to wade through before my life really began. And now I'm looking back and just wish that I had all that, all those years back. So I I do find it interesting because you wonder why do people procrastinate? And I've heard some psychological, um, kind of observations about um, the idea of taking over, kind of cl- claiming authority over yourself and doing things on your own time. But, oh my God, as a kid, I remember time just wouldn't go away. <laughs> there was just so much of it.
1: Right. <laughs> right. No, I. It, it is. I mean, it's true. As you get older, that idea of I can push something off till tomorrow or a week from now or a month from now yeah. becomes yeah. more oppressive. Yeah. It just doesn't, you start to realize, wait a second, I don't have that many... Not to be morbid, but I don't have that many more tomorrows, relatively speaking. Oh, yeah. First thing I did when I was a kid or when I was a, a young adult.
0: Uh-huh. Okay, Richard,
2: what's your first choice? All
1: right, so my first choice is uh, George R.R. R. Martin.
2: Mm, great.
1: The writer of the, uh, <laughs> of the Game of Thrones uh, series along with uh, some countless other fantasy stories. And this whole Song of Ice and Fire... Which is what Game of Thrones is based off of. The Winds of Winter. We've been people have been waiting eleven years for him to publish the latest version, latest edition of this uh, series. And every you know what every six months or so, you'll get like, oh, I've finished another chapter, or some sort of like some you know some leaking of a few pages that'll come out. And people get excited. Okay, maybe this is it. Maybe this is going to start coming out soon. And it's just like, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Is that the, is that the phrase or is it the other way around? I can never... Is that right?
0: I think once bitten, twice shy. Is
1: yeah, that, never, that's yeah. that's a good yeah, way. No, no. no,
0: fool me twice, shame, shame on yeah. us who expect he's actually going to put out this book, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. After a while, it's just... Folks... We just need to come to the realization: this book's not coming out.
2: And he's like, got another one to go ever. after it.
1: Yeah, he's yeah. I mean, not just Winds of Winter, but then there's a dance or no. What, what's the? I'm trying to think what the last one is supposed to be. Uh, a dream of spring. A dream of spring. Thank you.
2: Well, the funny yeah, thing about he's him got two is books left to go. Is it's he might be procrastinating on finishing this aspect of the series but it's not like he's hasn't been working like constantly on like yes such, it's such a weird sense of procrastination he's not lazy he's just like he keeps getting distracted and wanting to write other things about this world that he's created it, it's it's fair, but at the same time it's like the thing that people are most like okay why don't you write this thing and then afterwards you can kind of fill in your world of stuff that happened you know Eight hundred years ago, and it's like, well, I don't know. This is what I kind of want to write right now.
1: It would be as it would be, case. yeah. It would be as if George Lucas made Star Wars and Empire, and then decided, yeah, we should make Clone Wars now, and then after that,
2: I'm go back and talk about this little green frog guy for a little bit.
1: Yeah, it, it, it would it'd be like if all of the other stuff came out and Return of the Jedi was just sitting out there waiting waiting to be made. That's that's what it's like. It just like you said, Michael, it's he's got all of these other projects that he's been working on, whether they're Game of Thrones related or whether they're other projects based off of other properties that he's created over the years, of various TV shows that he's executive producing and helping to write. And it is that feeling of like having a big work project and knowing this is the thing you need to be focusing it on, but just being so overwhelmed by all the work you need to do on it, that it's easier just to do these little side projects. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing to me that, 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 that collectively that's, does he not have an editor? <laughs> is there not someone there who can, who can, who can like wave a contract at him and say, yeah, yeah it's time.
0: I always feel like Stephen King's got about 20 people kind of dressed, is sitting there up in, in in Maine with him, just kind of ready to type out whatever he says. Yeah, <laughs> and just, the exact
1: was... opposite. Maybe they need to just, maybe Stephen King just needs to pay a visit to George R. R. Martin and kind of like light a fire under his ass.
0: Well, that's interesting to me. For, for me, um, fear is a component of pers- procrastination. And I would also... I would imagine that with great success, one might—I don't know—lose lose their imposter syndrome. You know, if if George R. R. Martin somehow thought that he's he's going to be found a fraud, you know, he's gonna he's gonna sell a billion copies of that book before anybody ever reads it. So at least he's gonna go out big. But uh, right. do you think it's imposter syndrome? Do you think he's afraid of flopping? And has didn't 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 they make all those? Sh- didn't they pass his books in the uh, Game of Thrones TV show?
1: Yes, they did. Yeah. So, okay. and, and we all know how how well that ending was uh, yeah. taken by the fans. <laughs> so maybe that's part of it. Maybe he's afraid that he's going to get the same amount of shit as the TV show uh, runners did uh, when they tried to bring it to a conclusion. I, I, I'm reading a Ringer article right now that's from uh, April 2021 by Ben Lindbergh. And he, one of his things that he posits is that just that it's not so much that he's procrastinating, it's that he has trouble saying no to anything. And so he just keeps, anytime there's a new project, he goes, "Oh, that sounds good to me. Well, maybe I'll help work on that. And he just kind of keeps doing all of these, uh, saying yes to all these ancillary projects. And it just keeps taking his focus away from the thing he really should be focusing on.
0: One, one thing that I, I relate with uh, in regards to content creators is you often start with the germ of an idea and you socialize it with your community and say, wouldn't it be great if I, an architect, did a building that looked like this and it was this tall and it was this big and everybody around you says, yeah, that's great. Well, 90% of the accolades you want, you already got just by communicating that thing like I, I, as a storyteller sometimes i'll joke with somebody in a bar about this idea for a story i had this idea okay it's called stripper flight uh, a plane load of strippers going from la to vegas Like gets hijacked and sure. the, the strippers have to defeat the hijackers to uh, oh. to land successfully
1: there is a there is a glass stiletto heel that is going through somebody's uh, a yeah. terrorist eyeball
0: yeah, it's something. It's evocative. Uh, I uh, will, have you, now, now, always, now that you've
1: got this, now that you've got this idea out in the world, you need to you, you need to mail yourself a copy of this podcast that's right.
0: <laughs> so that it can
1: be it can be copyrighted. Anyway, go ahead.
0: Every time I tell that idea, people go, "Hey, I should do that." That's all I needed to hear. I'm never <laughs> going to write that damn script.
2: <laughs> okay, uh, Michael, what's your second? Okay. Um, my second choice. It's, it's going to be a personal story. Um, I was in the fifth grade and, um, you know, at the end of the year or somewhere near the end of the year, uh, there was like a big report due. And for the life of me, I cannot remember what it was about, but a big report was due. And uh, it got to a point where it was due the next day and I had done zero work on it. Like this is one of those things you're supposed to like study for and research over like months and like write things up and paste things on, you know, boards and things. And I did like just nothing, nothing. And so the night before I thought, well, I'm going to stick my feet out the window and try to catch a cold. (laughs) 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 And I tried it and um guess what doesn't uh make you catch a cold is putting your feet like next to the window one night <laughs> and your parents come in they try to uh, uh see what's happening the next morning and then you're just um like totally normal and not <laughs> don't have a fever <laughs> you can't give yourself a fever and uh i remember going into class the next day thinking that well one thinking i wouldn't be there um but then also like having this just being totally mortified and having to like stand up in front of the class. And the teacher made me like tell them that I didn't do anything. And of course, Oh my, God. Uh, yeah. Parents got called in, but it's just that feeling that like at some point you think you're just going to beat the system in some way by putting it off that you can feel like procrastinating and just doing it and you can get it all in. If you just had one more, it's that if I just had one more day, I could knock this out. I'm sure if it was like a Thursday, I thought, you know what? If I just stay home Thursday, not that I could, not that I had any resources to do any of this research. I don't know whether I was like, uh, writing, uh, a report on, you know, Eli Whitney's cotton gin or some sort of a uh, study on like the, you know, African Savannah or who knows what it was. Some must've been, you know, it's a fifth grade. Those are the two things that you you do reports on but it was like boy i really thought that if i just strung it out one more day and if i could pull off an all-day thing i would be fine and then it just kind of bit me in the
1: bit me in the ass wow. right in the us.
2: wow oh to be O to be 11 and think that you can outsmart mm-hmm. um your teacher and your parents and um sickness <laughs> you, as a concept
1: did you attempt any sort of like <coughs> <coughs> of course type <laughs> thing
2: you know i try i tried like to uh make my head sweaty and tried to uh you know my cheeks red but you know i'm I'm no Ferris bueller let's just say michael i, I think a, i didn't have a synthesizer that i could uh so <laughs> 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 i think i could fake it with.
0: were you off i i feel like you were a kid who was uh a read them too or read yourself like rolled to doll books or books that that uh uh focused on a precocious young man who through his own cleverness got his way or skirted around the rules or
2: mm. Yes, I I mean I'm chock a block full of raw doll stories. Okay. Um so yeah, I at some point um at some point, you know, charm only goes so so far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. hand in this, you know, the yeah. blank folder in the report.
0: I did that Oh my God, I did that. And I almost felt like it was even a way of. I did that with plays where I would not learn my lines at all for the play. And then it came to the show. And I would just go on stage and make shit up uh, until they just lowered the curtain. Because, like, everybody, everybody, all the other actors were looking at me
2: like, are you insane? Why didn't you just learn the lines to the, the odd couple? You know, maybe this speaks to it too. It feels like it feels like something pulled out of like The Simpsons, a Bart Simpson thing, or it might even be like a, a Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes thing, where like he handed in a report like that was just in a nice like a uh, plastic folder, mm-hmm. you know, with like a yeah. nice uh, with like a <laughs> nice cover on top, as if that's gonna that's gonna win a bunch of points. That, well, you know that that's thirty percent of the grade right there is just yeah. like clear plastic, you know, with the with the brads through it, and it looks good okay i've got the, myself up to a, a, a c minus just on that alone and then the rest of it uh just uh smile yeah. <laughs> one one it's thing I, I have
0: read about procrastination and this is specifically a book for screenwriters which i think it could apply to any kind of adult artistic endeavor is that as young people we begin to do work because we are told to it is assigned to us and we mm. are um a disciplinarian is holding us to that task. And there's a time after you graduate where you decide, I want to be a brilliant screenwriter or a sculptor or a painter or or something. And you are the, you, it's up to you, but there's still that sense of authority. Like you're not the boss of me that you have that maybe inhabits your laptop or sits in your mouse or sits in your sculpting painting tools. And that, the best thing you can do is just sit there for an hour and not write, not paint, not sculpt. Because you feel how stupid it is <laughs> to sit there. <laughs> how you you are now empowered to do whatever you want to. It's on your own time. You you are in charge of your destiny. Um, so stop screwing yourself, you idiot. Richard, stop screwing yourself. What? Give me your second one.
1: Oh, I have the camera on, don't I? He's Um, screwing himself Oh boy My my second choice Is the uh, famous architect Frank Lloyd Wright Who was a Procrastinator in a very Specific way That I think all of us can kind of relate to Uh, He was hired on In the early 30s By a wealthy Pittsburgh businessman named Edgar Kaufman Who commissioned him to create a house uh, Called Falling Water out in the, out in, I think, middle Pennsylvania, the rural areas of Pennsylvania. And in November of 34, Wright goes out to the site, writes Kaufman and says, I've been working on the plans, but I haven't actually drawn anything up yet. Um, which is, by the way, is the equivalent of telling your boss, yeah, I've been ideating on it.
0: <laughs>
1: if this was modern times, that's exactly what Frank Lloyd Wright would have said. So, um, About eight months goes by. Now he hasn't done any more work on it. Uh, Kaufman picks up the phone one day on a Sunday morning and calls him up and says, hey, guess what? I'm going to be coming by your house uh, this afternoon. Why don't we get lunch? And you can show me what the design looked like. He's got about four hours now. Oh, wow. To try and figure out what to do. Now, if this is you or I, our first thought would be, what excuse can I make? Or yeah. if it was me, my design for the house would be like an eight-year-old four. or six, six-year-old. Sides. Yeah, four sides. It looks like a, you know a, a, a square, and then it's got the little like uh, two lines on the top for the roof and a little chimney coming out, and that's what it would have looked like. No, this is
2: Frank. Curly curse smoke and the s- s- smiling sun happy face.
1: Yes. And I would have said, hip, here's your design. Doesn't it look great? Um, so apparently Wright just finished his breakfast and had a couple of apprentices looking on. And within four hours, by the time Kaufman got up from Pittsburgh, uh, he had finished the designs for this house, uh, Falling Water, which wanted becoming his possibly most famous design. It's uh, a National Historic Landmark, and it's listed among Smithsonian life's li- Smithsonian's life list of 28 places to visit before you die. Wow. wow. So sometimes, I guess some people, and I've, there are people who say, I work better under pressure, and that's kind of why I wait until the last minute, because I don't, my best thoughts don't start flowing until I get really up against it. And most of the time, I think that's just bullshit. That's just an excuse. That's something that people tell themselves to justify the fact that they're procrastinators. But apparently with Frank Lloyd Wright, it worked for him. So, you know, I far be it from me to criticize Frank Lloyd Wright for his architecture, no matter what it took to get it done. Two hours it took him to draw to make the to make the drawings of this, you know, beautiful, you know, one of a kind dream home.
0: Uh, you know, what, what I find interesting about that story is the perception of how the creative process works and time and its role in it. Like, oh, more time equals more creativity. Tell that to the Miles Davis quintet, <laughs> you know? Right. When they're improvising or they have a, a, a one, each have one page with five chords on it and we're gonna record all of kind of blue with that right it's if you gave them more time it would not have been more better it they took the exact amount of time to do that and maybe these masters uh, have become such um, 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 phenomenal understanders of their creative process even though right as you described was clearly procrastinating but something in him knew he was going to be clutch and make it happen.
1: So. Yeah. No, it there, It wasn't, I mean, if it was me again and the guy calls me up and says, I'm going to be up in two hours. I'd love to see the designs. There would be a lot of swearing happening as soon as that phone got <laughs> hung up. Swearing and screaming. Yeah. But apparently he just was very calm about it. Okay, guess I better do this. Sat down at his drawing table and just whipped it out. Yeah. Whipped it up, you know, just got it done.
0: One thing, I do know about some procrastinators is they have probably put a lot of effort into something in previous times or the amount, the right amount of effort and received a B, C plus. Yeah. And so they're a little bit bruised from that. And so part of them wants to um, under invest. So later they can say, the reason I didn't do great was because I didn't have enough time right uh, and so that that they can cancel the critic that way uh we are at our halftime
1: i mean they and... did just by the way he did forget to put doors on the house
0: <laughs> it was falling this water was fa- the literally was falling. falling
1: water why do you think it got the name yeah it didn't have a roof did not have a roof uh, anyway sorry anyway, to interrupt I,
0: have you read all the stuff about Tallison and, and the craziness that happened there how like a a handyman set it on fire and attacked people as they're fleeing the burning building. No, it's crazy. Um, Frank Lloyd Wright built this remote school for architecture and encouraged, um, the students to be involved in same sex couples because it kept kept them from necessitating going into town to meet girls. Um, uh, stuff, stuff that was bohemian, bohemian slash, um, um uh i don't know weird uh but his wife was having an affair with i i forget what it was but it was just crazy and that uh, a disgruntled handyman set the place ablaze and waited at the exit with that with that axe and started swinging at people who were, who were trying to flee the building and we're at our halftime so uh, at this point we want to ask uh michael Winfield to implore you to do the things
2: um Please. Well, first of all, come visit our website. It's been newly redesigned by Jeff. You can. Holy um, cow. You can peruse. It's now 100. Well, maybe 90. Well, okay. We've severely cut down the amount of malware <laughs> that has infected <laughs> our website and that will infect your website. So if you.
1: Now- any malware that's on the site is stuff that we put on there.
2: Yeah. That's right. <laughs>
1: it's no longer, no longer through others. Richard
0: um, and Michael have been creating amazing uh, SEO images and text and and descriptions and things over the years, and this is finally kind of putting that out in a place where it can be showcased. I think it's it's like yeah, the Jeff, Jeff found case a, for the
2: pies. Jeff found a <laughs> Jeff found a very easy way to um, kind of uh, you know search through like some some general terms and discover some of past episodes of things that we've talked about and it's only going to expand so please visit the website, please look around it doesn't look um, uh, like it used to it looks like somebody actually cared about this thing, which is amazing after 6 years so thank you to Jeff and thank you to you in advance for visiting and downloading and re-downloading and finding past episodes and all that business don't wait don't wait
0: (laughs) go now all right, so let's not procrastinate. Let's go into our third. Uh, and Michael, what what is your third?
2: My third choice, and I hipped you guys to this a little bit earlier. I, I sent you guys a text. Um, it is a beloved story from the children's series, Frog and Toad, um, a story called Tomorrow. And if you haven't checked out um, Frog and Toad, it's uh, kind of a kid's easy reader series um, by Arnold Iobel. And it's about a frog and a toad who are these two creatures who are best friends. And um, toad is kind of uh, more cranky and um, surly and frog is very um, uh, uh, kind of effervescent in how he deals with things. But the story involves um, toad uh, not wanting to get out of bed and just kind of wanting to lie around and frog comes to visit and he's like, frog. Or he says, toad, you're, home is a mess he's like i'll clean it up tomorrow he's like you have dishes in the sink he's like i'll take care of it tomorrow he's like your clothes are all rumpled on the floor and your plants need watering and everything your place is a mess he's like tomorrow tomorrow i'll do it tomorrow and then he gets all silent all of a sudden kind of pensive and then he starts thinking he's like what's wrong what's wrong He's like I'm thinking about tomorrow and how it's going to be a hard day. He kind of gets up and he starts cleaning, he does everything in one day. And then he, he's like, he just kind of realizes he comes to this great realization that the work that he puts off tomorrow will still be there. There's still going to be this more work and he goes back to bed a lot happier and content that he's now has a, a clean day in front of him, a clear day in front of him. And it's very sweet. And, um, if you haven't read any of the other Frog and toad stories, they're all very um silly and wonderful in this uh just these two best friend opposites polar opposite sort of ways that um I don't know that was one of the first things I thought of I love it
0: There's nothing Toads. like a f- nothing like a fable uh, yeah. and it almost feels like it feels like they're unlike something like animal farm where the uh, horses pull wagons and the oxes pull plows and things like that frog and toad is they're just a couple dudes yeah yeah <laughs> they don't do frog jobs
2: <laughs> no they, they, they i mean other, yeah they, they they don't i don't know if they, they don't even have jobs they, they just yeah. go and they get ice cream and bake cookies and <laughs> pretend to be brave and fly kites yeah. and um, sit around and uh, going swimming mm-hmm. great stuff
0: yeah That's an interesting aspect of uh, a way to look at uh, procrastination as a, is it a deadly sin sloth? Or is it something that we learned about first, probably as young people in uh, fairy tales and and things like that? I guess the three little pigs weren't necessarily procrastinators. The ant and the grasshopper, that was something about
2: procrastination.
0: Wasn't it? I think... Well, the,
2: yes, the grasshopper kind of never wanted to do any work and figured he could fiddle all day uh, until it came to the winter and he was kind of fucked. Yeah. And the ants yeah. were like, yeah, you should have fucking worked, asshole. Your music's <laughs> nice, but that's not going to help you. I think they are, and ultimately do help him in the end. And then it, then it feels like, well, he just got his way anyway. Richard, that just goes mean, back to my being charming bit. Yeah, just be charming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually it'll be fine.
1: And then and then Hopper shows up and then forces all of the bugs <laughs> to do the work for him. Oh wait, that's a bug's life. Sorry, my bad.
0: Uh I think the counter to um the and the grasshopper is uh did you ever read Frederick the Mouse? It was a Leo Leone, I think, story. No. Well, all the other mice are gathering um grass to help shore up their um, little hole that they live in, or gathering grains to store away. And Frederick is just kind of staring, staring off at the sky and looking at the trees. And and um, and they're a little bit miffed at this lazy mouse who's just kind of um, soaking in the sun and um, smelling, smelling the <laughs> the flowers. And then when they all tuck away for winter in their little hovel, um, uh, they ask Frederick what we was up what he was up to and he starts telling stories about the warmth of the sun and the beautiful flowers and 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 the wind and they all get warmed and entertained by them. I think that's the approach I, I decided I was gonna to take to my life. I will not do anything productive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just tell stories like that one. Tell- and now I feel warm. <laughs> yeah, oh, so it worked. Good.
0: Mission accomplished. All right, what is your third? Richard?
1: All right, my third is Hunter S. Thompson. Oh, wow. The great gonzo journalist who it was said uh, never met a deadline that he couldn't break. Ah. Uh, Just notorious for having Jan Winner or whoever from Rolling Stone magazine faxing him, telexing him. Where the hell is the story? We go to print in 20 minutes. And him with a gun shooting out, you know, probably like most likely shooting the fax machine as soon as the fax comes in. (laughs) to try and stop the message from happening and then having to scramble and pull together, you know, a 20,000 word article in 20 minutes. That was just the way Hunter S. Thompson rolled. Now the question is, is this procrastination or is this just serious drug abuse? (laughs) Kind of hard to say. Could be a little bit of both, but yeah, I mean, he was definitely somebody who, who, who did not take well to deadlines. And that's something that people, are, that as he got older, it made it harder for him to get writing work. Even with later on in life, he was writing for ESPN and they basically had just pushed him over to the website because on the website you had less deadlines because you know there was no, it can go up whenever it needs to go up. And he was just not reliable to write stuff for like ESPN the magazine because he just couldn't make deadlines. And that's sort of my example of somebody who, yes, probably if you asked him, would have said, I will shit. All I right. when I'm on deadlines. Shit, shit. Fuck, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the real, but the reality was he just was psychologically incapable of meeting these deadlines and it wound up in, and it wound up hurting his career.
0: Do you think you ever met a publisher he respected like, uh, do you think it it was anti-authoritarian?
1: Yeah, I think there was an I think there was probably an element of that. I think he probably resented the people who who paid his salary. Yeah. Which is kind of a you know, I guess it's it's a good position to be in if people keep paying your salary. Yeah. But once that stops, it kind of becomes more of a problem.
0: Yeah. I realize there's different lead times on different in different publications. So were he the um you know, uh working on something for the front page of the Rolling Stone or something. Yeah. That's probably not a good idea, but, uh, here he's shaping up, you know, he might follow the the RNC or like follow, you know, uh, different, like, like political things, stuff that happens over two, two months, three months kind of thing. But, uh, I also, I'm actually kind of fascinated too about the creative process and for me, there is that time where you put brush to canvas, and I have uh, I have been tempted to kind of run for it, and then um, kind of get it done, and then later on redo it, redo it, redo it over and over again. So right? is George Lucas procrastinating when he's doing the third digital remaster of his movie, or is he just kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, I um, mean,
1: I, I, Hunter S. Thompson for, would would say that he's, that, that for him editing, I mean, I think part of it was also, if you get something in at the last minute, there's less time for people to edit it. Yeah. Mm. So it's kind of a sneaky way to make sure that your words get published the way that you intend them to get published oh, yeah. instead of getting run through the editorial cycle. And I, I've actually got a quote from Hunter S. Thompson about uh, him and Deadlines. Wherever Deadline was a crisis. No doubt it had something to do with the deep-seated personal defect. Shit, shit, sure. sure, sure. Uh, I, I, that, that was my Hunter S. Thompson. Well, yet again, another one my rogues gallery of uh, of uh, impressions. But every di- deadline was a crisis. No doubt it had something to do with the deep-seated personality defect, or maybe a kink in whatever blood vessel leads into the penal gland. On the other hand, it might, have been e- might easily be something as simple and basically perverse as whatever instinct it causes... A jackrabbit to wait until the last possible second to dart across the road in front of a speeding car. Oh, wow. So I think he was he was definitely aware of the fact that it was a defect on his part. He was just incapable of doing anything about it.
0: He see I think he as literally an adrenaline and like adrenal junkie. Here's a guy who never met a drug he wouldn't do. Yes. So, the high wire act that was his life is something that he. It seemed like every to do a triple gainer off the high dive was not enough for him. He had to be loaded, and and doing it into a pool of sharks.
1: Yeah, yeah. So to turn in an article a week ahead of time would not have given him the same rush as trying to scramble around five minutes before they're saying if you don't get this in in five minutes, it's not going in this issue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with uh, you on that.
2: Winfield, the final one. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up. Which is something I think Richard has talked to in the past, and I certainly have. It's um, this podcast is there are times when uh, it's it's like you say you are you are kind of waiting sometimes for inspiration to hit when there's um a topic that we're coming up with that isn't based on necessarily on research when sometimes it's like, well, I got to go read about something that I don't know about. It's a good topic, but sometimes there are topics where you're just like, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna, well, I, I can't think about this now. I'll, I'll get to it by the time we're recording. And by the time we're recording, I'll have something and it will be, you know, X minutes before we're recording. And it's like, well, that didn't happen. <laughs> I never, okay, well, I'll, I'll write something down quickly and then I can kind of flub through it. But there are definitely moments when like, uh, when you're just kind of waiting for inspiration to take over and kind of carry you through when mm-hmm. you haven't quite necessarily thought through everything that you could best think through things. And I think yeah. this podcast sometimes leads that for me in my yeah. process
0: it's an interesting thing is you, you've, you've probably done this. I know you have a lot of work you've done in your professional life. And then there are things, other endeavors, like you could probably come up with a kickball team (laughs) in five minutes if you needed to, right? Like (laughs) how long do you think you could do that? But, but over six years we've done a lot of these, right? 300 or so.
2: But I think that's, I think that's part of it too. I think that there is a, Uh, the procrastination comes in with the self-confidence that we've done so many of these 300 plus at this point where it's like okay i understand what my thought process is i know that i don't need to spend an hour thinking researching one particular thing to have a particularly good conversation about whatever it's like okay at some point Eh, I'll get to it. It'll be fine. Yeah. So in the afternoon, I'd be like, okay, I've got three things. Uh, (laughs) We need four. Uh (laughs) I don't really have a four thing. (laughs) Uh, uh, We'll get there. And then it'll uh, come to me. Sometimes it's like, uh, okay, this is my thing. (laughs) I move for a change of venue. (laughs) And then, and then honestly, it's the, it's those last minute ones that I, I pray um, you don't choose uh, as the judge. (laughs) <laughs> oh, really? And then there's no, there's a tremendous guilt that I like have. I'm I'm dragging along with me like the thing that I put the least amount of effort into. I got I hope he does. Ah, oh, he picked it. Uh, oh well, sorry. Rich. <laughs> what a what a
1: braggart. <laughs> I'm just so I'm so upset whenever the I put minimal effort and I still win. Uh, for me. You
2: know what's funny? I just saw like uh like this weird you know uh obviously Chris Rock is kind of still in the news, um but I saw like this weird like um. Supercut of like all the times that he's like insulted someone, not all the time, but like you know, just different insults, like on comedy shows or whatever. And uh, one he was on the couch with like uh, Kristen Kirsten Stewart, I don't know which one it is, Kristen, uh, Kristen Stewart, and she was talking about how she's like, Oh, you know. I feel really guilty about like accepting these roles that people just offer me and I don't have to do any work. And he's sitting next to me. He's like, what are you talking about? Give me the role. I'll do anything for no, for no amount of work. Just I'll just do it. It's no deal. It was All right. Please man, don't Freddy. slap me, Richard.
1: All right. Hey, keep my podcast name. Oh no. Out of your fucking mouth. Um, my last choice, Leonardo da Vinci, not just a code, but also a incredible procrastinator. It took him him 13 years or 16 years to complete the Mona Lisa.
2: That piece of shit.
1: Yeah. It's just a painting. I mean, it's a good painting, but 16 years now. I mean, if you think about it, he, I mean, yeah, what do we think about when we think about da Vinci? We think of someone who's always uh, – d- who is dabbling in so many different things, whether it's painting and artistic work or engineering or architecture or anything, all these different things.
2: He really should have picked up that bottle of really extra slow-drying varnish.
1: <laughs> yes. But I think that the that for him the fact that he was interested in so many different things, I'm sure he had ADHD. Hmm. Ah. I I I feel very confident in that. In that he just seems like the type of person who would get very easily distracted. He'd be working on this painting and then all of a sudden get this idea in his head for what if there was a, something called a helicopter, and then would start to work on that for a little bit and then. Huh. I wonder how horses run. Maybe I should start looking into that for a little while. Um, apparently, he only finished the Last Supper after his patron basically threatened him to cut off the funds. Oh
0: wow!
1: Um, you know, the Virgin of the Rocks that took him 13 years to make. Um, and there's a reason why we have all of these sketches from Da Vinci that are like, you know, these it, that were you know found after he died. Mm-hmm. Because he did all this half assed work and never finished it. That's why. Because he was a procrastinator.
2: That's funny. Now, was he? Was he?
0: Do you, do you, do you feel was like he? this, that we have this finish line observation about how things are, and that here's this person who lived this amazingly multifaceted life of genius in so many different categories? And we're just kind of looking at it in terms of which works couldn't had the, have the done frame. More.
2: <laughs> yeah, or or yeah, yeah. So you so you painted the greatest painting of all time, but what couldn't you have done? Could you have done two of those at yeah. the same
1: time? <laughs> it's hard to say. I mean, would would the Mona Lisa have been the Mona Lisa if he did it over three months? I guess is that what you're saying, no, no. Jeff? Is that what you're suggesting?
0: Well, no. I guess I I there was a. There was there's a I I know he's been canceled but Garrison Keillor had a uh, the spoof of this Mozart song or rewrite writing lyrics to I think Ina Klein had knock music or something like that and the lyric was Mozart wrote his very last concerto when he died his work was through and his bills were all paid like when he dies your work is over like you that is your work and it is yeah. complete and it is all complete to the point <laughs> that it was ever maybe going to be but uh, but it, it, if you live in this constant state of inspiration and you're continually you know you've got a new i don't know new iron in the fire a new creation happening should we hold him accountable for not doing what we th- i don't know you, I, but Ron,
1: if, Ron Popeil had a lot of ideas but he also <laughs> he finished a lot of products too
0: <laughs> a lot of products well to to your point, Da Vinci did take money from people to make them a painting and sculpture. Yes. Like, oh, and he didn't if he didn't do it. But he has the money, then he's he's not. Uh, being he started. came up. He he, he invented, invented
1: the idea of being a con artist.
0: Yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah, and because he knew he had a fucking helicopter, it's like see ya. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't go after him. He's just gonna fly through the roof. Uh that's pretty. That's pretty amazing. Um can you even imagine being that freaking brilliant and just just uh Oh
1: yeah, of course I can. <laughs> <laughs> Silly of me to
0: ask. Okay, this podcast, Michael Winfield, this podcast, that was your last choice and probably the one you th- would be embarrassed if I chose. So I'm going to choose it. Uh, that's going up on the rushmore. Is. This podcast. Mm-hmm. The Frog and Toad is so charming, more so than Hop Gaddling and from Sandman. So let's pick Frog and Toad just because it's so damn charming. And um, I think it would be a lot of fun to uh, uh, for our listeners to uh, think about that Frank Lloyd Wright um, Falling Water. Frank Lloyd Wright, amazing buildings and calendars for days. Boy, Frank Lloyd Wright calendars are in every household. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. And then let's also do, uh, um, George R. R. Martin, because come on, dude, if you're if you're within earshot, wrap it up, wrap it up, my dude.
1: You're not making the Mona Lisa. Yeah, come on, dude. You're making a fantasy book. Let's let's (laughs) speed this up a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, this has been uh the Mount Rushmore of procrastination. I'm always Jeff.
1: I'm Richard. I'm Michael. He did a bit! (laughs) He did a bit.